Daniel chapter number 2. You've got your place there. You're in uh, page 901 and 902. And uh, we appreciate you being here so very, very much. Hallelujah. 131 folks here tonight. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. Amen. I just rejoice in the fact God's uh, helping us and, and uh, adding some folks. And I just appreciate that so very, very much. All right. Uh, Daniel chapter number 2, and if you got your place, and stand with me, verse 31, we, we're not going to read all of this, but if you just kind of follow along, if you have your Bible there, we'll just kind of skip through this and get right on in the message. Daniel chapter 2, verse 31, Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. And this great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof, was terrible. Drop down to verse 36. This is the dream. We will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. I love this. Not only did Daniel tell him what the dream was, he said, I'm going to interpret it for you as well. Verse 45. And uh, for as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, did it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold? The great God... Big G God there, notice, hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel, notice that, and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto David and said, Of truth it is that your God is a God of gods. And a Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. I like that. He is God of gods. Amen. And I like that so very much. Let's, one more time, let's pray and ask God to help us. Michael, how about you leading us to the throne of grace? Yes. Amen. You can be seated. Well, I'd hate to get in the way of God tonight. I just want—I don't want you just up just because you got something to say. I'm talking about something that's just just bubbling in your soul to the point, man. I, I just needed to say that, but He didn't give me time, and so just bubbling up in your soul uh, quickly now. Hop up and let her rip. Okay, I got something in my soul. Amen? All right. Unmasking the monster. Tonight we'll look at part one. Prophecy is history in reverse. And tonight, if you would keep in mind, Daniel contains the ABCs of Bible prophecy. Revelation contains the XYZs of Bible prophecy. And as we begin to go through this, if there's one thing I do want you to understand is this. If you have had doubts that this Bible is an amazing book, and if you've ever had a doubt that this book is really true, tonight my prayer is that I can dash all of that and destroy all of that 
where you get a hold of the reality that this book is really true. Now, there are many dreams in the Bible, but understand, when it comes to understanding God's plan for nations and kingdoms and ages, this becomes the most important dream there is in the entire Bible. Not only that, but it verifies the Bible as the Word of God. And so, now, as we get into this thought, we see, first of all, the identity of their dreams. It is the kingdom of the Gentiles. Tonight, if you, if you could understand this, you'll go, you'll go miles down the road of understanding Daniel. God gave a, which is amazing to me, God gave a wicked king, Nebuchadnezzar, this dream. Now that absolutely blows my mind. My thought would be, why don't you just give it to Daniel, God's man? But he didn't. God gave it to a wicked king, but this wicked king happened to be the most powerful man of his day. You'll find God gave this wicked king a vision or a dream of an image, a statue, if you will. If you can understand this, God allowed him to see all the world's empires. He allowed him to see in one dream every empire that would rule on this earth. If you, can, if you can grasp that, then you begin to understand the image. We find it is the kingdom of the Gentiles. Daniel chapter 2, Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Head of gold, arms and breast of silver, thighs and, and waist of, uh, of brass, legs of iron and feet of iron and clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, whose, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and break them in pieces. Here's what he said. He said, I saw a stone come, and that stone hit this image and just shattered it all to pieces. All right. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken the pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer, threshing floors. And the wind carried them away. And no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Nebuchadnezzar went, Whoa! Whoa! Man, that's the dream! That's what I saw. I believe his jaw dropped open and he thought, my gosh, every detail. 
I believe on Nebuchadnezzar when he started. And Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel said, man, this thing had a, had a head of gold. Not just gold, but fine gold. Old, De- Old Nebuchadnezzar said, that, that, that's exactly what I saw. Then he started talking about him. Now, as he began to, to tell him all of this, he, imme- he immediately recognized Daniel's just a teenage boy now. But he's got an amazing gift. I love this. Then we see not only the identity of the dream, but the interpretation. I love this. Because not only does God give him what he saw, but he said, I'm going to interpret you what they all mean. Isn't that wonderful? See, the devil gives you half the story. The devil says, you know, you can be a drunk and, and, and it don't get any better than this. He don't tell you the other side of that billboard that's all the hell that comes with it, amen. Uh, uh, he, he tells you on one side of the story now that you ought to have these, all this other stuff and all your lifestyles and all this junk. He don't give you the other side of that. But God gives you the complete story. So Daniel comes and he starts to interpret the dream. Here's what the interpretation, number one. He said, this head that you see here, he said, oh Nebuchadnezzar, hey man, that's you. That's you. This is the dream and we will tell the interpretation there before the king. Thou art king, O king, art the king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the fields and the fowls of the heaven, hath he given into thine hand, hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. No Nebuchadnezzar, can't you see him straightening up his robe? His, he's a feeling pretty good about himself now. Hey man, I'm gold. Rest you peons, it's bright and silver and bright. I'm gold. As a matter of fact, we'll, we'll look at this next next couple of weeks but when you get to the next chapter he builds an image notice what he builds that image out of completely he don't build this image like this he builds it out of one material isn't that interesting but we find we find that he comes now understand this God gives even wicked men authority at times to accomplish his purpose we may not agree with that, but God does. The chief god of the Babylonians was Murdoch and was made of pure gold. We'll see how the old Nebuchadnezzar now, and, and I love this, and I'm just going to note this because I believe it's worth you remembering, and that is this. Every ounce of authority Nebuchadnezzar had, God gave to him. Don't miss this. For the God of heaven had given them a kingdom power and strength and glory. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. You and I have nothing if God doesn't give it to us. Did you hear what I said? You and I don't have nothing but that which God gives to us. You didn't get that. I've been thinking about a message I'm going to preach on. Let me give you just a preview. I'm going to preach on a message, ownership or stewardship. And uh, I've, been, I've been pondering it for, for, for several weeks now. 
Well, you need to understand something. I we don't really own anything. I, I know some of you think you've got a whole bunch of stuff at your house, but truth of the matter is, you don't own anything. We're just stewards. And, uh, and uh, Nebuchadnezzar was a steward. And, and God comes on, and every bit of authority Nebuchadnezzar had was given by God Almighty to him. Had it not been given to him, he wouldn't have had it. Now, I, I need, you need to understand this. At the time of Daniel's prophecy, this kingdom, this Babylonian kingdom, and Daniel, he's the lion. This Babylonian kingdom was at the height of its time. The walls of that city were, were practically impregnable. You couldn't get through them. They, 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 it was a massive city. The, the, they, it was guarded all the time. Euphrates River run through it. And it was only later on when a, when a wicked grandson got proud and thought we don't need any guards down there and they detoured the Euphrates River and went in. But had they not done that, they could not have gotten in. Of course, God allowed them to do that. But I want you to know it was practically impossible to invade whenever, whenever he saw this. When he saw this, Babylon was at the height of its day. The Medo-Persians was a bunch of little tribes running around insignificant men it was was absolutely not even a threat but God was going to raise them up and allow them to overtake this great Babylonian kingdom now Nebuchadnezzar he never he, he thought there's no way that'll ever happen but it did and you'll find that the silver the Medo Persians now, while Daniel was telling Nebuchadnezzar this, you're going to find that there's no way, as a matter of fact, there would be two more rulers in Babylon before it ever took place. For it actually took place. But it did. In 539, Cyrus the Great conquered the Babylonians at the Tigris River. Outside, and by the way, this is outside of modern day Baghdad right now. And while, and while this is going on, Daniel's still living. He's still living. As a matter of fact, you'll find that uh, uh, he, he, he's still alive and doing well. Uh, and you'll find that after he, he took this kingdom here, they detoured, they rerouted the Euphrates River. And, and uh, we'll talk about that a little later, but... Obelt Shazer thought he could have a drunken party and, and didn't need any guards and nobody can get in, but I will tell you something, God can get in if he wants in. And he said to me, Old Persians in. And you're gonna find that during matter of fact, it was during this era that the book of Esther and, and the book of Nehemiah, many of these books were being written and discussed. The dream is discussed in greater detail later on and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. The bronze, the Greeks. And the Bible says another third kingdom of brass which shall bear rule over all the earth. 200 years later, Alexander the Great, Alexander the Great, he with his bronze 
army, bronze shields with his bronze chat with it with this this bronze arrow. He he literally came in and overtook, and he become, if you will, the Grecian. This bronze era, and uh, it's it's interesting because Alexander the Great, and history gives us he had a hissy fit whenever he had no more walls to to destroy or overtake or conquer, if you will. He he literally had a hissy fit over over the fact there's no more walls to conquer. But the Greek army used bronze and brass and helmets and shields. In fact, it was during this time that we uh, that we had the uh, Hippocrates, uh, uh, Hippocrates, and the Father of Medicine, and Aristotle, and Socrates, and Plato lived during these days. This Iron Age become the most prominent ones. I I thought it was interesting that whenever you you he talks about the Babylonians. He gives you some information. He talks about the Medo-Persians and the Greece. One verse, one verse. But when he gets to the Roman era, oh my goodness, there's a lot of a lot of information. And the fourth kingdom should be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. The lion legs represent the great Roman Empire. As a matter of fact, the power of Rome was great for 200 years. Even uh, it started gaining momentum even before it became a power. For over 500 years, they ruled the Western world. The Roman legions were things to be feared. It is said, it is said that when they would go to invade a land, to, to, to take the land, conquer the land, when they arrived on the shore, they would burn their boats, indicating we're going to win the fight or we're going to die trying. They would set their boats on fire so they couldn't leave. And because of that, because of that, Many of the land just simply surrendered to them. It was the Romans were also great builders. Uh, our highway construction, the the bulk of our highway construction knowledge, come from the Romans. And uh, there was a saying: "All Rome, all roads lead to Rome." One of the reasons they, because they built so many roads. As a matter of fact, and by the way, it might interest you: they paved most of these roads. They were the first ones to actually get into paving. Not aqueduct systems. Uh, that they, they had massive aqueduct systems. Uh, they built fifty-two thousand miles of road. Uh, to give you a reference, and David probably understands this more than some of you, they ain't but 46,000 miles of interstate highways in America today. But they built 52,000 miles of roads. These, the image is two legs. And the reason being, there was an eastern and a western part of the Roman Empire. 
The eastern part was centered in Constantinople. The western part was in the center of Rome. Now, what makes, what makes this challenging is this. The Roman Empire was never conquered. No force, no country, no outside army, no other nation ever conquered them. They never were. As a matter of fact, it was during the Roman Empire that Jesus actually lived and walked. And of course, it was a Roman's crucifixion. They were cruel and uh, they come up with the idea. Every, all, of these, all of these empires uh, had their own form of capital punishment. What they would consider the, the worst kind. And no doubt the Romans had the worst in their crucifixion. But they was never, never destroyed. What happened was this. It crumbled from within. It literally imploded. What I mean, it didn't explode, it imploded. Have you ever seen a building where they brought down these big old massive buildings where they go in and set dynamite and the buildings just fall down from the center? They just fall down. How many of you have ever seen them on TV? That's an implosion. This nation of Rome, this great powerful nation, it literally, it literally imploded within. Now, please keep in mind, God gave Nebuchadnezzar this dream 2,600 years ago. There's no Medo-Persians. There's no Grecians. There's no Romans. None of those are even in existence. We have an advantage. And that is this. We are living about right here. I put on this little card and you're welcome to get one. We're living right about there at the ankle. So we can look back at all of these and say, history tells us, man, there's the Roman Empire, there's a Grecian, a Medo-Persian, a Bible, that all of them were exactly just like God said they would be. And so we find that now we're at that lower part. Now, you say, well, um, what comes next? Well, I, I, I started to, to go in to those feet, but I'm not going to tonight because here's a reason. Number one, uh, that's future. That's future prophecy. From here up is back reverse prophecy. What I want you to get tonight is this. I want you to get this book you hold in your hand is true. And if this is true, and it is, it's there, then I want you to understand there's a hell to shine and a heaven to gain. I want you to understand just as sure as you're lost, you'll die and go to hell according to this book. If you're saved, you'll go to heaven. I want you to know this book tells you how y'all live, how y'all do. This is a true book. And I love that. Amen. I want you to see that. 
But I also want you to see something else. Why did this massive empire fall? What happened? I, I, I know why the Babylonians did. Darius got the Medes together and got the whole crowd and said, we're going to go in. We're going to detour the Euphrates River. They marched right in and just took the city. Killed old Belshazzar and the Medo-Persians took it. I know how they were destroyed. Alexander the Great with the Grecians said, I'm going to take over. I'm going to, I'm going to come in. And he built all these massive bronze uh, uh, shields and helmets and all this kind of stuff. So I know how they, I know how the Roman Empire did it. They did it with sheer power and strength. They just bowled over these and took over. I know how that all happened. But what in God's name could have happened to this massive Roman Empire that lasted for 500 years and yet imploded. I'm going to give you tonight about 12 things of why it imploded. And in giving them to you, I want you to ask yourself a question. Does this sound familiar? That's all I want you to ask. Does this sound familiar? Number one, an antagonism between the Senate and the Emperor. The Roman emperors were those that were placed into power. They had the legal power to rule Romans' religious, civil, and military affairs with the Senate acting like an advisory body. But the emperor also had this. He had power over life and death. Um, it really worked much like the emperor was the president and the senate was your congress. And they would act like an advisory body to him. And they was so much antagonism against them. I mean, they hated one another. They were constantly fighting one another. Of course, our president and our Congress, they love one another. They never have a disagreement. They never fight. They agree on everything. Trees, we get so much work up there done, right? Yeah. And I'm being very sarcastic for some of you that don't even know what I'm talking about. Number two, decline in morals. Especially, don't you listen to me now, immoral sexual behavior. I'm glad for our children's being out here and... If your kids are here and they ask you and you can't answer them, you come and talk to me and I will. Emperors such as Tiberius kept a group of young boys for his pleasure. Nero had all of his male slaves castrated 
so he could take them take them as his wives. Um, all of them had harems of concubines. And as a matter of fact, one emperor by the name of Commodus with his harem of concubines enraged Rome by sitting in a theater at the games dressed in woman's garments. Brothels and forced prostitution was, was, was flourishing everywhere. Massive consumption of alcohol. Sadistic cruelty towards both man and beast in the arena. Now, don't you listen to me. Don't you listen to me very carefully. If there's anything that's going to take this nation to the ground, it's this. God said, it's not good for man to be alone. So God made him a helpmate. And God created, took a rib out and created a woman. And she become that which completes him. It is a divine plan. It's not my plan. It's not your plan. It's his plan. And when we start crossing those lines, you look out, our nation is in trouble. And right now, and we'll talk about this more next week, but right now, there is such a push. And it's starting in our schools. And mom and daddy, you need to understand this. It's straight out of hell itself. And it's sin and it's wrong. Here's what the push is. I demand you accept me the way I am. It is a mission of iron and clay. And what an iron and clay never mix together. They never co and never and never become one. And we're seeing and the same thing happened in the Roman Empire. It, it, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. The extent that some of these emperors would go to uh, to to raise money. And I know I'm in mixed company, so please I, I won't get if you if you don't get it, just come see me. Amen. Couple of the emperors would literally, literally have some of the ungodliest parties and and would you just use your imagination where nothing was barred to raise money because of the debt they struggle with. Number three, political corruption and Praetorian Guard. Now, the Praetorian Guard was the least soldiers who made up the, the, the bodyguards of the emperors. This group of Praetorian Guards were so powerful that if an emperor crossed them, they'd take him out. Or, if the Senate, if the Senate would pay him enough, they would take him out for the Senate. And many of the emperors 
were taken out in very short time because of the Senate's disagreement with them. A fellow made this statement a few years ago to me, and I and and he's sitting here, and I said, I thought to myself, he must be smoking weed behind the church or something. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. But now, but now, I'm not so sure that he wasn't right. I'm not so sure that you and I sitting here right now won't see the day that you and I see the day that this president will turn the army on the American citizens of the United States. That young man walked right in my office this evening and he's been talking to me about the future, his future. And he's a very smart young man, by the way. Told my grandkids, you see that little finger? More brains than that little finger than you got in your head. You'll listen to what I got to tell you. And he, he come in my office, he's talked to me. And uh, down the road, down the years, he's, he said, I'm thinking about being a highway patrolman. And this is exactly what he said. He can stand up and vouch for it. Can I share it? Well, good, I was going to share it anyway, so. Might as well agree. He said, I'm rethinking about wanting to be a highway patrolman because I've been doing some reading and studying and I'm afraid that today will come, they will demand the law enforcement to come to our homes, people's homes, and demand their guns. Now there's some of you said, man, that ain't going to never happen. In New Orleans, when that storm come through, the New Orleans Police Department went from house to house and confiscated those guns. You say, well, not mine. Well, I'm not going to get mine either. Amen. But I'm just simply saying, we are seeing a day where literally our country is poised for just this kind of thing. Number four, a fast expansion of the empire. The growth of the lands conquered by the empire led to the need to defend the borders and the territories of Rome. And the people of the conquered lands, most of whom were referred to as barbarians, hated the Romans. But because they was, they was conquering land, taking land, but when they conquered the land, they had to defend those borders. Number five, constant warfare and heavy military spending. The Roman army was overstretched and, and there was always needing more soldiers and more soldiers and more soldiers. So what the enemy did, the barbarians did, was this. They joined the army for one reason, to learn the military, the military tactics of the Romans. You, you, Roman army was second to none. Second to none. And the barbarians would join the army to learn how they done it. Then they would go AWOL and go back to their crowd to tell them 
how to defeat them. And literally, the constant war and heavy military spending was one of the downfalls. Of course, how many of you understand? How many of you understand? Now, I'm not trying to scare you, but I, I do want you to understand. How many of you understand this battle between Russia and Ukraine? If we're not careful, we can get drunk right in the middle of that mess. How many understands that? Very quickly. Very, very quickly. Number six. Failing economy and high inflation. Governments, the government was constantly threatened by bankruptcy due to the cost of defending the empire. The failing economy, heavy taxation, high inflation was another cause for the fall of the Roman Empire. As a matter of fact, now don't miss this. One of the major reasons, this is amazing to me, was this. The amount of gold sent to the Orient to pay for luxury goods literally led to a shortage of gold to make Roman coins. Now, did you hear what I just said? Does that sound anything like what we hear today? We have outsourced every job in our country to a foreign country to where now we are almost a service nation and we don't produce much, we don't produce like we did. There used to be furniture factories all over Lenore, hosiery mills all over Lenore, uh, no matter where you went. But, I, but, but it's amazing. Now there's just a few furniture factories, there's just a few hosiery mills. Now we have become more of a, of a service geared country and not a manufacturing country. Failing economy and high inflation. And i got to hurry, all right? Unemployment of the working class. Cheap slave labor resulted in the unemployment of the plebes. Now, I know you ain't going to like this, but if you lived in that day, you'd be called a plebe. It was called the working class. They called them plebes. And because of that, in Rome, they become, on, become dependent on the handouts from the state. And the Romans attempted a policy of unrestricted trade. But this led to the plebes or the working class being unable to compete with foreign trade. Couldn't compete with foreign trade. Couldn't compete with foreign trade. Want you to get, couldn't compete with foreign trade. And the government was then forced to subsidize the working class and Romans to make up the difference in prices. That resulted, now listen, thousands of Romans choosing to live on the subsidies, sacrificing their standard of living with an idle life of ease. They got laid off, they brought a check, they got used to it, and they said, we don't want to go back to work. Does that sound like anything you know of? Whoa. Number eight. The mob 
and the cost of the gladiators' games. With thousands of unemployed Romans, they become bored. And this led to civil unrest and fighting and riots in the streets. So, to entertain them, they had these gladiators' games. As a matter of fact, I don't know if they hated Christians as much as Christians become uh, expendable. They would take Christians and they would, they would sew them up in, in animal skins and they would turn lines loose for the sport of it. I, I was reading this. It's, if you read it in Fox's Book of Martyrs, just to entertain them. These emperors would take Christians, dip their heads in oils, tie them to a post, and set their heads on fire to light the arena. Just for the sport of it. I read, this is what's interesting to me, and I, I couldn't help but think of our country. They said that people got so bloodthirsty that no matter how violent it was, they got so sadistic in it, they just wanted more and more and more. I remember. I, I know some of you ain't gonna remember this. I know. I know you probably none of you kids are gonna remember this. Uh, how many of you remember Shock Theater on Saturdays? Black and white Shock Theater. You know, we thought that was really scary. You know, I mean that was. I'm gonna tell you something. They look at that and, and bust out laughing. In the slice and dice movies that you see today is unbelievable. These video games and these, that these kids are playing is, is amazing. But the cost of these gladiators' games well, was unreal. That was nothing. Decline in ethics and values. Life become cheap. Bloodshed led to more bloodshed and extreme cruelty. As a matter of fact, um, the basic principles and standards and judgments and what was valuable and important in life declined. And a total disregard for human life and animal life. Uh, I mean, they had a perverted view of right and wrong, good and bad, desirable and undesirable. Number 10, slave labor. Slave labor. The number of slaves increased dramatically during the first two centuries of the Roman Empire. What this does, it's led to a decline in morals and values and ethics. Number 11, this is interesting. I thought this is natural disasters. Earthquakes. Earthquakes. Uh, storms. Have you, as if they, have y'all, are you understanding the storms that we're having today? And some of the natural disasters we're having cost thousands and thousands and even in the billions of dollars? Natural disasters. But then the final blow was this. For years, the well-disciplined Roman army helped back the barbarians usually of a Germany backing. But notice, whenever they had so much unrest internally, 
They had to bring the soldiers home to, to keep down the fighting internally. So then the barbarians just crossed the borders. They couldn't defend the borders. They just crossed the borders. They crossed the borders. And when they crossed the borders, they started robbing and attacking the roads and the bridges. And the fields were left untilled. And the pirates and the bandits literally made it impossible to travel. And the cities went under because they literally could not get the goods into the cities. Next week, we'll look at prophecy in the future. I hope it's been a blessing. All right? Let's all stand to our feet.